Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Networking CEO, Connecting Entrepreneurs Online, where I would like to invite you to become part of our network of entrepreneurs, where someone I know needs to meet you. And today, I am really excited about my guest on the show today. It's somebody that I met in California at an event that I was speaking and sponsoring at, and they were doing a spotlight on her, and she came up, and I have to tell you, from the minute she opened her mouth and started talking, she hit me in the gut. I literally had a stomach ache thinking about how did I not know to protect my business from that. It really spoke to me, not just for my business, but for the people that I serve, and that means you. Really, really thinking about how we could work so hard, all that we do, the time, the money, you know, just the blood, sweat, and tears that we do to build our business, and in moments we could put that at risk. What do we do to protect ourselves? What do we do if it happens to us? These are really questions that we're going to talk about today. So this is really a time for you to make sure that you don't just grab your coffee or whatever your beverage of choice is, but to really get a pen and paper. Today's show is going to be able to show you how to protect your business and to protect your life and your lifestyle. And we all know I'm all about the lifestyle. It's really, really important. We're going to touch on something a little bit deeper today to really, really get you there. So make sure that you take notes. This is an important one. You may even want to come back and listen to it again. So I really want you to know how important this subject is to me today. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest. So our guest today is Cherry Sharon. She's a business identity theft specialist, and she has a master's of science in criminology and 10 years of experience in criminal fraud investigation, college-level teaching, and corporate asset protection. And she applies all that knowledge and wisdom acquired from a lifelong career with the judicial system, such as police departments, district attorney's offices, corporate America private business assets protection to get results to show you how you can protect yourself from business identity theft, what to do if it happens to you, how to lower that financial impact that will happen, and how to just make sure it doesn't happen to you in the beginning, what steps you can take. This is a very important subject, so listen up. If you are wanting to call in and have your questions answered, we will take live callers. If you're shy and you'd like to just tweet your questions in, please feel free to do that using our hashtag, PoundNetCEO. Again, that's PoundNetCEO. So if that wasn't enough to make you realize that, hey, I gave you the time to get that pen and paper, today's a big show, let me welcome Terry Sharon. Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate the time to be able to share some of the knowledge that I've learned over my career. I know. I really love having you here for that. I have to tell you, um, as a speaker and somebody who travels all over, you know, I hear 
things all the time. And, you know, never have I heard a speaker that I didn't learn something, right? I always go there with an open heart and with an open wallet, too. I'm always prepared to purchase, to invest in myself, and I want to learn something. But I have to tell you, I learned so much at the event in California that Joey Garrity and Cheryl Calhoun did. Um, That was the It's Your Turn event, and we met there. And I have to tell you, it was a great event. And I learned something from every person that took the stage. But I have to tell you, when you got up on the stage, it was like somebody kicked me in the stomach. It was like the big aha moment that, you know what, you could have the right logo. You could have the best copy. Your website could be phenomenal. You could blog like crazy. You could have seven-figure clients. But in a minute, it could be gone if we don't protect ourselves. And that was so powerful to me that I knew in that moment I had to have you on the show. I knew I needed you to share. Um, This wasn't something that I knew about, and I went home and I was like, wow, do I need to do this? So I want you to know that I'll even be re-listening to my own show today. Um, Not that I don't do that anyway, but I really, really feel like today is an important topic. So thank you so much um, for being here on the show. So before we even get started... Could you tell everybody how they can connect with you, um, what's your preferred method, how they can connect with you, because I know they're going to want to. Sure, absolutely. So the one of the quickest ways to get in contact with me is to hook up with me on Facebook. And my Facebook page is my name, Terry Sharon, and Terry is spelled T-E-R-I. Sharon is spelled S-H-E-R-R-O-N. So it's Terry Sharon Fraud Prevention. And that's uh, one of the quickest ways is to IM me or instant messenger me and let me know what um, what your concerns are or what I can help you with. Perfect. So now let's just dive right in. This is a huge topic. But tell me, we all know that whatever our business is, it's always a journey, right? Very few Absolutely. of us right, woke up and you know, once we got into our adult life, or even as maybe a teenager really knew exactly what we wanted to do, we usually evolve, right? We learn more and, you know, and hopefully um, we actually get to what our purpose really is, right? What we're passionate about, what our purpose is what our calling is, whatever you want to say about it, but we don't just wake up and get there, right? It's always a journey. And I have to tell you, I really would love to hear what was your journey? Like how did you get to knowing that this really was something that you were this passionate about was your purpose? How did you get to become a business identity theft specialist? (laughs) Sure. No, no. um, I, like everyone, have, have my own journey as well. So I first started off um, at the age of 13. I was given the opportunity to work a summer internship program at a police department. And uh, basically I was just in charge of collecting the FBI statistics that is required by each law enforcement agency to report every year. In that process, as I was learning more in depth about crimes, the prevalence of crime, and uh, also just that neighborhood and that city, the crime that went on, it really intrigued me. And so I uh, completed that summer internship program and then obviously finished high school and started working at our district attorney's office. And then I got a whole nether eyeful and earful of the different crimes that would go on in a 
typical typical city, basically, really intrigued me. And so I thought, okay, I need to further my education and look at this whole concept of crime and why do people commit crimes and, and really try to dive deep and understand it. So I went and got my uh, degrees in criminology and from there started working out into the field and applying the criminological theories. In that whole process, I started seeing recurring themes with business identity theft, not only consumer, but in addition to business identity theft. And I thought to myself, my gosh, does anyone even know about this? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm working, for example, you know, at a one of the private corporations that I worked at, and I'm seeing, you know, fraudulent school POs come through, and I'm thinking, my gosh, do the schools even know about this? You know, so I started doing some research on my own and. It really captured me because when you look at business identity theft and its in-depth levels, it, it can be really, really scary. And so for me, because I'm so passionate about helping others, preventing crime, educating individuals, you know, it just really grabbed me. It grabbed me because I thought, you know, this is a topic that I've learned about and I want to share and I want to help people in general as a passion of who I am deep inside, but then also business owners. Because like you mentioned, Patty, you do, as a business owner, work so incredibly hard and put in so many hours and you build and build your empire and then someone can just come along and steal it. Wow. Like that's like, wow, that can really happen. So that is kind of, yeah, that's kind of my journey. You know, I realized how passionate as I have, you know, worked in different departments, worked, you know, in different areas of the criminal justice system, got my education, I really understood who I was as a, a person in society and what I wanted to give back to individuals. I, you know, learned my own true passion, which is to help protect individuals. And and that's really what it boils down to. My passion is to help protect individuals from whatever type of criminal activity can come their way. So, yeah, so that's my story. That's a great story, and we thank you <laughs> so much. <laughs> so let's just kind of dive right into that. So let's just go, you know, I think most people know what identity theft is. Either they have had it happen to them, almost happened to them, or they know somebody who's had it happen to them. But really, I have to tell you, I never really thought about that from a business point of view. So first of all, can you just tell us what is, like can you just define it, break it down for us, what is business identity theft? Yes, absolutely. And let me first start off with what it is not. Quite often when individuals hear the term business identity theft, they relate it to a information or a security breach. Meaning, as a business owner, if someone hacks into your computer system, for example, and acquires all of your customer service, I mean, excuse me, your customer member base information, names, addresses, date of birth, perhaps social securities, you know, whatever those data points are for the the customer information that you are retaining for your business, if that is breached, that is called a security breach. That is not business identity theft. 
So business identity theft involves the actual business identifiers. And what those identifiers are is the business name, is the, the business tax ID number, um, and it really doesn't matter what type of business you have. It could be that you're a sole proprietor. It could be you have a partnership. It could be you have a, an LLC or a nonprofit even, or you could be in municipalities you know, or, or government or school district, corporations, for example. So it involves the business identifiers for those business um, models. So you know, um, the, the business identifiers are what the criminals are acquiring and utilizing to be able to impact your business and perhaps even steal or sell your business. But, you know, I've heard of people um, have told stories on a personal level where somebody is hacked in and, you know, stole their identity and have sold their house from under them or, you know, opened up credit cards in their name and all these type of things. Um, are these also things that can happen in your business? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the identifier that you were talking about where someone would open up for a consumer a credit card in your name or my name, the same thing can happen for the corporation or the sole proprietor. What they're doing is they're taking your good name, your business good credit, and they're posing either as you or they're posing as the business and they're, you know, an officer within the business. So, um, or they are um, taking your actual business structure and and utilizing that concept to create other types of, of crimes. And we'll get into a little bit of those in a little bit later. Oh, I think that's really important to know, though, because, you know, um, in your business, we think that we're protecting ourselves because we don't usually use our Social Security number, right? We use our EIN right. number. And so I always feel so protected by that. But it sounds to me like we're going to get into it and I'm not going to be as protected as I thought I was. So uh, let me ask you this question. So why are businesses targeted by identity thefts? I mean, why, so, why would they target small business owners opposed to, like, major corporations? Yes, absolutely. So first and foremost, when you're looking at the difference between a large corporation and a small business owner, there is, for the thieves, the perceived notion is is that it's low-hanging fruit because most often we have a lot of our business owners don't have the like high-tech sleuth teams and you know their own IT department that is diving deep into the everyday business operations and and protections because that can be quite costly for a business owner. But not only that. Um, uh, larger corporations. But why are they targeted? They, why are they so targeted, they're, though? They're targeted because they have. If you compare a business entity and the finances for a business compared to a individual, businesses retain more money in their banks account, so they have larger account balances. You know, um, as a business owner, you can let's take a school district for example. For payroll for a, a school district, could have $40,000 in their account, 
So if I'm going to, as a criminal, look at an individual's bank account versus the school district's bank account, it's more lucrative for me to be able to try and impact and and wire transfer money out of that school district account than for me to go after Patty Farmer, right? Mm-hmm. And not not only that, but you know, if you look at some of the MOs that that uh, the criminals do and can impact, you know, it it's easy to open up credit accounts. It's easier because the businesses are established and with the proper fraudulent documents, it becomes even more so easier because the verification process is not as um I would say strict or stringent, you know, when you're looking at, you know, someone impacting a business, being able to open up accounts. Because what has a business owner done? They have already built the foundation of their business and and reputable foundation for that, for their business. So if I'm going to copy, you know, your your proper documents, and they're fraudulent, obviously, but if I'm going to make copies of them and change perhaps an officer you know, to uh, the picture of an officer for your business and then also um, the name, then I can go into any banking institution with the appropriate documents, a fake driver's license, and open up, you know, another account name and then impact you that way, you know. Invoicing and payment terms, you know, or higher credit limits, those those are also issues that come up with, why the criminals would prefer to impact a smaller business compared to a larger entity. You know, there's more checks and balances with larger larger corporations compared to smaller business owners. Um, there's also, you know, the like I said, the larger purchases can be made with less scrutiny. You know, it's the information for a smaller business owner is uh, more readily available because there are certain requirements for a smaller business owner if they want to be able to get SBA loans. You know, there there are certain requirements that expose a business owner that business owners are not even aware of how they're exposed in that realm. Hmm. That makes sense. And, you know, it kind of seems like as a small business owner, it's not like I can prosecute or know what the things are about prosecuting or investigating or any of those things. It's not like that's my um, something that I know how to do, right? So I'm kind of at a loss if that were to happen. So, you know, it kind of seems to me like maybe um, that's part of the reason, too, is they know that we don't exactly, like a corporation, obviously they probably have a whole security department. They know what to do. They know what to look for. They know what to do. As a small business owner, we're like, we don't have to investigate and prosecute and all that kind of stuff. So our security probably isn't, you know, as much. And I guess, you know, after I heard you talk, I was thinking to myself, you know, really honestly, from a small business owner versus an individual, you know, we have higher credit limits because, you know, we're making business purchases, you know, we're hiring coaches, we're buying software programs, you know, a lot of times we have to have higher credit limits because we have more money. So say, for example, you're an event planner and you have to put all these deposits down for events that you're going to do throughout the year. You haven't got your money back, so you have to have higher credit limits so you're able to do that. So I can see where there's more readily money to tap into 
where people in their personal accounts, sometimes those are closer to the vest and not as readily available or as high. So, yes, I can definitely um, see how that would be. So what you're saying is that small businesses are really an easier target for hackers and thieves? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the the other component that you touched on that I really want to um, express upon individuals is, you know, when we're looking at our actual laws, you know, the prosecution, prosecution for business identity theft, we have, our laws clearly define consumer consumer identity theft, but our laws are not as clearly defined when it comes down to business identity theft. So, you know, um, when we look at even uh, Betsy Broder, our former assistant director for the Federal Trade Commission, you know, she says we have a real gap in our laws. And our current federal laws look at identity theft as a crime against individuals only, not necessarily crimes against business owners. So it poses a real big problem when we when we look at how do we resolve this issue and also the impact of business owner. And so the criminals know this. And if they, you know, when they whenever the criminals see a a gap within any type of law or system, they're going to go at it and they're going to go at it full force, you know. And so um, when we look at, you know, the the kind of some of the statistics that are out there from some of the research, even the the Javelin Strategy and Research 2011 Small Business Owner Identity Theft Fraud Report found that small businesses lost about $8 billion to fraud. Entrepreneurs, small business owners, are more susceptible to even – um, to mostly the existing credit card fraud. In fact, even up to like 50% higher than the average consumer. So, you know, when you're looking at some of the research and the statistics out there, entrepreneurs and small business owners are truly a target, and they're a target because there's those huge gaps in laws. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right when it comes down to, you know, why, why they're targets. Wow, 50% higher rate than consumer. I mean, that's huge. And when you really think about it, a lot of small business owners, you know, they haven't been in business, you know, only the first couple of years. And, and, you know, they're pretty much, some of them, you know, it's like month to month. They're not really profitable yet or really have a nest egg, so to speak, or a line of credit or money put aside. It's not like people save and say, oh, okay, I'm going to save for five years and I'm going to start my business and I have this huge nest egg. That doesn't always happen to entrepreneurs, right? Um, And stuff that's not always happening, right? So they come out, they hit it hard. They're, you know, they're doing a lot of the work themselves. You know, they're not really outsourcing yet. So some of that stuff, a 50% higher, I mean, that could pretty much sometimes be the difference between being in business and having it wipe you out and you totally lose your business. So I think um, that's just really like $8 billion to fraud. I mean, that is just like so totally crazy to me. But I think that when you said earlier that small businesses don't have those high-tech, you know, sleuth teams, as you said, right? You know, we don't all have mm-hmm. those security departments to really be able to help us. So I'm really excited because I know that um, – 
I asked you, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but, um, you know, one of the things I asked you and you were so willing to share are, like, what are some of the things we can do to protect ourselves? So I have to tell you, if you're out there and you're listening, you're not going to want to miss that. We actually are going to tell you what to do if this impacts you and how to prevent it. Two key, key things you're going to want to know for your business. But one of the things I want to know is why would you say that business identity theft is not more widely known? I mean, I have to tell you, I consider myself very up on what's happening in the world, and I pay attention. I mean, I serve business owners. Like, I really didn't really know a lot about it myself. I mean, I knew it existed, but I just kind of put it alongside consumer. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't really get the impact until I heard you that day, like I said, on the stage where I felt like I got kicked in the stomach because I'm thinking, wow, we didn't really know that. And I feel like I work at staying up on it. So um, why do you think that it's not widely known? Yes, yeah, so that's a really good question, and there are a couple of different ways to um, understand this. So the first, the first and for uh, the way that I like to talk about it is when we're looking at our laws. So for consumer identity theft, if a business is breached, they're required by law to report that to the individual. However, for themselves as a business owner, if they are breached, there are no laws or no forum that readily collects the, t- the statistics so that we can have a real good understanding of how business owners are impacted. The second aspect of that is without laws and penalties for business identity theft um, and then companies simply having no incentive to admit that they've actually been defrauded, it can be an embarrassing factor for a business owner because you know, as a business owner, we own every aspect of our business. So the 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 um, I guess the I don't I'm, I'm losing my word here to admit that you know you've been frauded to a level of you know it could take fifty percent of your business that that can be quite embarrassing, you know. So uh, so there is that aspect. But then also let's look at how it's actually difficult to track these particular cases. When you identify our criminal codes, you know, some of the MOs that we'll talk about later can, they're not clear and concise because we don't have specific MOs that are criminal codes that say this is business identity theft. You know, there's... um, so the, not having the criminal codes into place is a problem, which lends itself to not having laws in the place. Uh, but then there's also, you know, we've talked about our, our regular repository agencies that do collect information, like the Federal Trade Commission and our TransUnion, Equifax, and um, Experian. They're the ones that collect that data, but they do not do it for business identity theft. So, you know, you've got reluctancy from the victim standpoint, the victim business owner. Then we have no agency collecting that information. And then, you know, all the way through to the potential impact on the brand image for the business owner. You know, or if the business owner has shareholders, what about their reactions? You know, and then um, what about the the uh, losses that happen or the bad debt that can impact your business? These are all reasons why... Uh, we don't have the information isn't as readily available as we would like to have it because it can be impactful to a business owner, you know, all the way from, like I said, brand all the way through to, you know, the the credit level that a business has. 
That makes a lot of sense, and it's kind of like what you said earlier that, you know, in the criminal world, right, small businesses Mm -hmm. are low-hanging fruit to people who do fraud and hackers. And I think, you know, it does make sense. We don't really have the type of protection and knowledge of these type of crimes, nor do we have controls in place, you know, to stop people from fishing to attain them. So I think that does really make sense what you're saying. I also think um, a lot of times business owners, one of the things that may possibly hurt us, I would believe, would be that um, we're a little bit more casual, probably more casual than we should be sometimes, and that a lot of times as a small business owner, you know, we're using, you know, one computer, right, and, you know, maybe you have a laptop, right, and sometimes you may even be doing your stuff on a on a mobile device, but it's not like you have this whole big, huge system, right? So um, how does that impact? Can that impact for, you know, because I know that for marketing and advertising, even myself, you know, when I have my laptop, whatever, on the flip side of that, I always have to make sure that everything I do is in the other one. But when I'm thinking about it from a security point of view, you pretty much do have all your stuff in mostly one place. So that kind of makes you an easier target, I think. I mean, it just makes sense to me that that would. Would you say that is true? Absolutely, absolutely. When small business owners, because we do have, you know, one computer typically uh, that you're going to do all of your business activity on, including your banking. And when you are doing your marketing or your advertising on the same computer that, that you are doing your banking, you are more susceptible because of the different malware um, hacking uh for um, devices Cookies. and yes, Cookies. exactly, exactly, and and you know with the internet and how it's just so wide open for these hackers to get in, you know you should be separating those two components, you know. So yeah, you're absolutely is, correct. That's amazing. And now I kind of want to touch on something. I want to go into the different types of business identity. Um, Beth, but I really, before we go there, I think there's something that I think is really important as entrepreneurs and small business owners that I think just really, really, it, it's actually been the probably the one fearful thing that I have always worried about. Um, and I know as somebody who's a marketing strategist, I'm very careful to protect my clients. I was just talking to somebody about this this morning. You know, a lot of times, even something as simple as their social media, I always have my clients change the password before they give it to me so I can do whatever I'm doing and then have them um, change it back. I never allow my clients to give me their passwords. However, I do have to tell you that I know that within my own business, one of the things that has always made me nervous is when, you know, somebody's working on maintenance on your website or you have a VA or a graphic designer, like all the different people that we do outsource in our business that we are giving them freely, giving them access to our information. So if you are giving them, like I remember specifically um, the thing that made me nervous one time was that for my VA to set up a way for my shopping cart 
to be paid, right, so people could go to my website, purchase my book, whatever, my courses, whatever, for my VA to set that up. I had to give her access to the account where the money was going to go. I had to give her my passwords to my PayPal account. And I remember at the time that even though I loved her, I was like, wow, like that really gives them access. Now, obviously, these people work for you, but you don't know what their security is on their computer, when they're on their computer signing into your things, your banking, your PayPal account and stuff. So I remember thinking to myself, when we share that information, like that kind of seems scary too. That's part one, because I know this is going to be a long answer for you, and that's good. But part two of that is that one of the things that I see people do all the time is when they put their passwords in an online sharing device, right? They say, oh, yeah, I don't want to have to remember all my passwords, so I just put them in here and then they auto-populate. Now, I have to tell you, I never, ever do that. I just really don't feel like it's secure, although they say, oh, yeah, they're very, very secure. Um, So I kind of want to know what you think. And I know those may seem like they're two different things, but they're really about sharing information. Um, What do you think about that? Like, what can we do? Like, when we're sharing information with a VA a website person or people who we give access to, when they sign in, they have access to a lot of things. And I have to tell you that there was a time in my life, to be totally real, I had a VA that I hired once, and while she didn't steal any money from me, she did go in and change all kinds of stuff, and I didn't have access to things in my own business because she pretty much had my password, and then she went in and locked me out of my own stuff. Right, so there, you know, you have to be really careful. And so, can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's something that most entrepreneurs. So this is something that most entrepreneurs and business owners, on some level, do. Absolutely, yes. And and I'm happy that we're actually touching on this because there's a couple lines of thought. So first and foremost, statistically speaking, when we're looking at sharing information with our staff. That really opens the door to um, to those individuals to really be able to create havoc if they are disgruntled. But when we're looking at some of the statistics, within the first five years of an employee working for you, that is when if they are going to uh, do anything dishonest, they're going to do it within that first one to five years. If at any point they become disgruntled within that time frame, like you said, they have that information. They can lock you out of your system. You know, the other com- important component there is when you're looking at your banking and you have given your staff or even a, a vendor like a VA that information and someone and, and they go in and they wire transfer out your money, you, and you have a business banking account, now you've got a whole new ball of worms that have just been opened up. Because when we're looking at consumer identity theft, consumer identity theft is regulated under um, Regulation E, which is because of the FDIC insurance, the, we claim as a consumer that we did not do the wire transfer or make this charge. The banking institution, the burden of proof gets shifted over to them. They investigate it. We just sign to the effect that we didn't do it, and our monies are returned. That is not necessarily true for business checking accounts. So they're covered under the universal um, commercial code. And when we give our information out and a wire transfer, for example, happens, 
because of that code, we the burden of proof is is still on us. So there is no guarantee that as a business owner you are going to get your monies back. So that becomes a huge factor when when we're sharing our information. You know, because if you're sharing passwords, you're sharing your banking account, all of that you've done willingly. So why is it the bank's problem is is kind of the viewpoint, right? How is it their problem? We willingly share that information as a business owner. So it's our problem. So that becomes a, a kind of a scary component, you know, when you, when we do that. The other um, component that you talked about was the online sharing devices and putting – putting our um, passcodes all in one app or one device or one area. Like I tell everyone, there is no one that can say, I'm 100% unhackable. That is, I mean, if someone says that, you need to shy away from working with that person, honestly, because every system can be hacked. I mean, there are loopholes in in all kinds of, of apps or internet search engines. I mean, there's loopholes everywhere. So when you're putting all of your ducks in one area, chances of them getting blown out of the water all at one time is pretty good. You know, so do I recommend utilizing, you know, these devices where you store all your passwords on them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ooh, that's, that's good information. How often do you recommend people change their passwords? And, like, for me, I have different passwords for every different thing. Um, how often do you think that people should change um, their passwords? Well, you hit on an important point. Let me just reiterate. You should have a different password for every login, whether it's your Twitter, Facebook, your bank, your um, uh Anything, anything. Your Macy's account, you should always have a different newsletter password. Newsletter service, right? Yes. And let me tell you, I, I, the common, the common um, comment that I get back to that is, oh, my gosh, I cannot remember 50 different passwords. Well, when you're looking at how often you should uh, change your passwords, this is where you can kind of build your own, I call it an algorithm. So think in terms of what you can remember. First and foremost, you never want to use an actual word that's in the dictionary. And you always want to use characters. You always want to use numbers. So you know, build an algorithm for yourself because you know you're going to be changing your password at a minimum every 30 days. So at a minimum, you should be changing your password every 30 days. So when you have, for example, you know, you want to use pound, two, star, five, uh, four, T, you know, look at, look at that and start to build how can you switch that up, change a number or a character once or twice, and make those changes every 30 days. So you're pretty close to what you what you know that you can remember, but you're making the necessary changes that are um, not so easily uh, identified identified online. Is it okay to put them like in a Google Doc or put them in a uh, you know Excel spreadsheet and print it so that you know because it really is kind of hard to remember all of that. 
It is. And so the first thing I would say it's not okay to do is on your search engines like uh, Google Chrome or if you're on Internet Explorer, you know how it prompts you to to save that password? Do not oh, no, store no, them no. in there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah, and then the other thing is, yes, you can build like an Excel spreadsheet, but I wouldn't save it. I would print it. And then store it in, like, if you have a fireproof, um, uh, like a fireproof, not safety deposit box, but a fireproof box that you keep in your house for Mm -hmm. your most important papers. And um, just don't keep the documents on your computer. So if you are hacked into, you know, they can't get... They don't. They can't get the that information. And you definitely don't want to when you delete that item. You want to empty out your trash bin, but don't label it passwords. Label it some document of some kind. So if your your computer is ever hacked into, even if they go into your trash, you know, say you forgot to delete out your trash. If you put it passwords, they're gonna find it easier than if you say, you know, Terry Sharon. Uh, presentation, for example. They're not going to look at every single file to find out if that's actually a password file. Okay, so now I'm going to use an example. Right? I, I love examples. I think it makes yes. people be able to put that visual. So one of the things, and if you tell me not to do this anymore, I'll be like, okay. So one of the things I've done is I've just made up words. Like like my husband and I, we laugh. We just make up words that are not really even words. And um, so we'll just make up words that aren't words, and then we'll add numbers and special characters and all that kind of stuff, right? But I know Mm -hmm. what my five made-up words are. So one of the things that I've done, because I have to tell you, there are a lot of, oh, what's my password to get into Southwest Airlines? What's my password to whatever? And what I have done, and I know now I'm kind of almost scared to tell you, but I'm just going to be honest, what I do is I put them in my phone, but I never say what they are. Like, Like, you know, one of my words starts with a B, Right, so I just put the letter B, and then I might put a pound sign and a three. Now, where that falls in the word, they nobody would know the word. But if I can't remember, like, what is my password again? Like, whatever, I know I can pick it up, and because it's like a hint, it will tell me because I know, like, what character am I on or what, you know, whatever. And I just put something in to remind myself. But if somebody did go in there and they hacked it and they looked at that, like, they would have no idea what that meant. Um, is that good or bad? That that can be good. That can be good because, A, it helps you to remember, but the key is it's your hint. It's not your actual word, correct? No, it's never the word, never the right. It's just something that will remind me what, you know, it just reminds me, you know. Yeah. So, like, for example, if I have, like, the B word and, and I changed it from the pound to the question mark, I would just go in and I would just change the pound symbol to the question mark so that I would just know that it's, the B word that I wouldn't nobody knows that's a, not even a real word, and it has a you know whatever. And sometimes even like if the question mark is in front of the B, that just kind of lends me to know. You know what I mean? Like I have all these little things in my head. Like somebody could see and it's not doesn't even if they knew the word, they wouldn't know what it was because it's not even in the right order. It's just I know the legend in my head. All I had to do is memorize the legend. Then when I look yeah. at it, I know where they really go. But um, it's just a hint for myself because there is just so many of them, but that's how I've done it. it. Should I undo that, or is that okay? I feel like even no, if somebody's okay. got my phone, they, what would they know? I don't put any of my banking anywhere. My All my banking or anything that has to do with money never gets anywhere. That I memorize, but all the other stuff, you know, like 
you know, if you want to hack my Southwest Airlines thing, knock yourself out, right? <laughs> uh, but but just so that I can remember them, that's what I do. Yes. Oh, yes. No, that's absolutely a great way, a great way to remember them. And if, it, like you said, if you're not putting out the actual word, that B word in there, this is just your legend to prompt you to remember what, what that password is. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, Whew, that's really good. But I do know that I did kind of get nervous with my VA because here's the thing. It's not like I can tell her once to do that and then I could go change it. The bottom line is she needs access to it all the time because she uses it all the time. And I have to tell you, not that I don't love my VA, but the bottom line is I do all the time. It always, I always think about that, and I keep minimal money in there for that reason, right? But it does kind of make me nervous that you are totally trusting somebody that has access to these things. And, you know, they have to have access to those things because, you know, they're doing landing pages for you, they're doing this, they're doing that, right? And so they need to be able to do that and have that. So I do feel like there are people in your business at some point that you do have to trust somebody, right? But um, it is, you know, there are certain things, and that's what I'm going to get to. Like what are things that we can do, like what are things that we can do that – well, actually, before we can do to protect ourselves, let's go here first. Um, let's talk about the different types of business identity theft. So I'm sure that there's, you know, some that we're not thinking of. So before we start talking about prevention and what to, you know, what the impact and what to do, let's talk about the different types first. So could you tell us some of the most, I don't want to say popular, but the most common types of business identity theft? Yeah, sure. And and actually before I address that, if I may, let me just go back to the the relationship with the VA that you just touched on. Quickly, you know, the like you mentioned, there are going to be outsourcing for your businesses and and I don't want to scare you to a point where you're not going to want to use like a VA or or other uh, experts to help you build your business. You do want to utilize them. It's going to boil down to building a trusting relationship with that individual and then always inspect what you expect. You know, be diligent in monitoring monitoring everything you do. The the biggest key is is within your um your your money. You know, that's that's the scary component that I mentioned. And just, again, the uniform commercial code, I believe I think I said the universal, but um, the uniform commercial code is the code for business banking accounts. That's the area that you want to really be diligent with who and why you're sharing that information. You know, when it comes down to, like, other services, just inspect what you expect, build a solid relationship, Monitor, monitor, and you know, mo- for the most part, you should be okay. So now to answer now, your you question, know what's interesting what the- about that though, what you're saying right there. So I want to touch on this. What's mm-hmm. interesting is you have to know that even if you're aware, you don't know what they're doing. And one time, I remember my VA; she has access to 
um, my password to go in where I buy my images, right? You know, so whether that's mm-hmm. iStock or wherever you're going to go, you know, obviously I need her to go in and purchase those for me. That's not one of the things she does for my blog posts or whatever, right? So I'll say, oh, yeah, we need to give the graphic designer, this is what we're looking for. She'll go in and research those for me. And so she has my password, and I'm thinking, oh, what's the big deal, right? And I did. And then one time she sent me an email, and the email said, Patty, I'm so sorry, um, I purchased, a, you know, an image for myself because when I went into iStock or whatever it was, when I went in there, like I was still signed in as you. I hadn't signed out and signed into my own. Um, don't worry, you know, I'll pay you the $4 or whatever. It wasn't about the $4. I didn't care about the $4, but what I did care about was what she was telling me is that she wasn't closing out all of those things. So why would she, when she went in to purchase something, why was she still signed in as me in the first place? which was like, well, how diligent are you about signing in and out of things that have my password, right? So that was, we opened up a line of communication and, uh, you know, a conversation about that, which then, which was something I wouldn't have thought I would have had to tell a VA, right, was that Mm -hmm. I would really like it if not only do you log out of everything that you do with mine, but I would really like you to close the browser and, you know, open up another browser and stuff so that's not even in your cache. You know what I mean? So, like, I had to have a conversation with her about cash and cookies, right, and stuff. Though, But I was, in a way, I was glad that it was that little $4 thing that was able to help me to have that communication with her. So when I did, she was like, oh, Patty, I never even thought of that. You know, she was more worried that I was going to be mad that she bought $4 on my account, right? Um, sure. It wasn't about that. <laughs> but the thing was, for security, what if that would have been my PayPal account or whatever? Like, don't you log out of my accounts when you're – when you're done with them before you walk away from your computer, right? You know, uh, like I could be all protected my computer, but if you're leaving my stuff open on your computer, like you don't even live in the same state as me. So that was terrifying for me. Yes. From that yes. standpoint. <laughs> exactly. And you raised that, that point. So when I say, you know, inspect what you expect, you know, you expect her to be secure, right? I mean, that was right. kind of a, a, the initial thought, okay, I'm hiring you. So I'm automatically leaping to the conclusion that you are secure with all my information. You know, um, if she got up and walked away and went and had lunch and left her left you logged in and had employees that she works with, what's to say they couldn't get in and do something? You know, so we have to start thinking as business owners in terms like this. You know, what we protect ourselves as best we can, but who are we working with and dealing with, and are they protecting us as we would ourselves? So, yeah, great point. Great point. That's good. Okay, so um, I can't believe that we really only have like 10 minutes left. Wow. Okay, so what are some of the most common types of business identity theft? Yes, so first and foremost is one of of the real popular ones is the fraudulent business filings. So as a business owner, you know, with your state, you file your business with your state if you're like a corporation, right? And you're required Mm -hmm. to file your reports and and documents on a yearly basis. So uh, the, the problem becomes with that is that is all public information. So your list of officers that are on there, um, all your your financials are on there. So the, what the criminals do is they can log in to any state's you know uh, business filing area and get your information, and then start to wreak havoc all over the place. And you know just a, a couple of of different ways that they can do that is first and foremost um, 
is if they change any of your registration information, your your um, officers, for example, then that opens the door for the criminal to have that perceived notion, I'm now in control of your business. And so if I've changed your officer from Patty Farmer to Terry Sharon, and then now I go get a fake driver's license with Terry Sharon and get the, the necessary paperwork, I can go into any banking institution and I can open up account or I can deplete your account. So, you know, that's, that's or I can even sell your business and oh, you scary. wouldn't know it. Yeah. So, so that can be, I mean, that's really scary. And, you know, with this concept, and there are multiple different MOs within, and MOs being modus operandi, so which, which is what criminals do, um, there are many different motives of MOs within this category alone that can wreak all kinds of havoc on a business owner. You know, if a business owner has even dissolved one business and opened up a second business, typically those business dissolved businesses, you're not monitoring that. So the criminals know this, and that's another thing that they do is they look for dissolved businesses so that they can go in and open it back up for 10 to $20, reinstate that business, and next thing you know, you're getting bills in the mail for that business. So those are, you know, that within that arena alone, there's a whole lot. You know, then we shift over to tax fraud and the use of your business EIN number. If I am a criminal who want to be able to file a bunch of fraudulent taxes, I can open up a Facebook page in your business utilizing, you know, your business name, your business um EIN number and and start looking, say I'm going to hire 50 people, everybody upload their resume on Facebook. Now I've got from the resumes names and um, addresses, sometimes social securities, and then I go ahead and I'm going to file, say I, I, I got 50 applications. I'm going to file under your business 50 individual tax returns. What have I just done? I've inflated your income, right, for the year, so that's a problem in and of itself. But then there's all these, you know, individuals that have um, fraudulent tax returns, you know, created in their name and their identity, so they can't file their own, and it just becomes a big snowball mess, you know. So, and again, you can have an IRS audit from this, you can have the IRS, you know, looking at your business in, in many different aspects, and you don't want that kind of attention, <laughs> you know. So that exactly. that's always scary, right? Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. And, and then um, the other one that is kind of prevalent that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the business filings is address mirroring. So what that typically entails is um, – the individual will literally copycat your business. And, you know, what they do is they sometimes, and most of the time, is they can be in the same building as your business. So you have, you know, a, a pretty busy building. You're on floor three. They have decided to target you as a business because they can open up a bunch of accounts, order a bunch of supplies. And so they will uh, mirror every component of your business 
most of the time they're even going to be in the same building, maybe different floor or down the hall, so that they can receive packages from the mail and no one is, you know, really monitoring that because, you know, from the from the postal aspect, they're just thinking, okay, they opened up another office down here, so I'm going to deliver to this room as compared to the other room, you know. So, um, yeah, so that can be real scary. And then, you know, with the business mirroring, typically and often what these what these criminals will do is they will mirror your business in another state, and because the states do not require state-to-state reporting due to the confidentiality and uh, sharing of information, the uh, criminal can open up an actual brick-and-mortar business exactly the same as your business in another state. And again, you are not aware of this. A whole year could go by, and you're not aware of this until either A, you're getting bills or you're having um, uh, the IRS contact you saying, well, you know, you're not reporting as much as you should be reporting, you know, and then which prompts an audit. So, yeah, it can, these types of crimes can really snowball way out of control. You know, the other thing that a lot of um, criminals will do is they will, if they can get access to your business and sell your business out from underneath you, this particular crime is very prevalent with coaches, business coaches, speaking coaches, you know, uh, just because of the nature of um, of the business with being mobile, you're traveling, you know, you're most likely a home office, and yet you're operating, you know, at a higher level, you're making a lot of money, so uh, they can get in and change you know, whatever information under the filing and quickly sell your business because it is a viable business, they will. They will. So that's, that is really scary, really, really scary. Because wow. like I said, we build, build so hard and <laughs> so long, you know, and then someone can just do this, you know. So that manipulation of your business records is, is really key. It's really key. It's not always the cyber-type crimes, but those do exist as well. You know, there is an entire set of Internet black market sites and chat rooms that these criminals do nothing but take snapshots of your banking uh, account, how much money you have in there. They post it up. They sell it, you know, for a percentage of your actual, if you have $40,000 and they're going to sell it for 10% or 20 or 25%, well, you know, it was worth their time you know, to go and get that information and post it. You know, so there's these black market sites that will sell your banking information, they will sell your, your filings, your business records, your um, registration, your EIN tax numbers, I mean, all kinds, all kinds of your business Per, uh, identifiers, data points, your business identi- identity theft data points. So, oh, I think that makes sense. Just a few, just to name a few. <laughs> just to name There's a few. A okay, so what is the impact, the financial impact, to a small business owner if they're a victim of business identity theft? Yes. Yeah, so now, when we're looking at and comparing the different the financial impact from a consumer, a regular individual, and their family compared to a business owner, you know, the impact it, it can be quite costly uh, to clean up the mess, and uh, up to a hundred and fifty percent higher than the average consumer. And why? Because 
typically the business owner has to hire their own legal team. Sometimes they have to hire a private investigator. Those are fees out of pocket on top of, you know, the the financial institution not necessarily uh, providing them with that zero liability, which we talked about with the, the business banking accounts. So not only have you lost your money, but then you still have to put out money to correct and figure this whole situation out. So that, in, in that respect, it can be quite costly. I mean, it, it businesses have closed down, you know, because of business identity theft. So it's, it's really scary. You know, um, in 2012, the banking industry did a business banking trust study uh, that they conducted because quite often what was happening, and they noticed in the business arena was, if I'm banking with business A, and I give out my information, my and my monies are stolen, I'm going to blame the business, the banking institution, because I don't know that the business banking accounts aren't necessarily protected, you know, under the same codes that a personal account is, right? So I'm going to blame the business. So in that trust and study that they did to try and understand the mentality of what's happening with business identity theft and business owners, a couple of things came to light. First and foremost, the the big aha that I saw in the report was 85% of small and medium-sized businesses were frequent frequent victims of cybercrime and banking fraud. And that is everything from depleting your account by way of someone walking in and posing as you or wire transferring out. That's a high number, you know, high percentage. And this is checking account, not necessarily business um uh, um, credit cards or uh, debit card numbers, because again, anything with a Visa logo, the even if it's a business account, if it has a Visa logo and you're charging, uh, that the you are protected under the same type of protections as a as Regulation E, which is a consumer code, because it is a so Visa, that it is mean, a charge. So does that mean when you have a debit card? And, you know, a lot of times when you're using that card, they'll say, oh, you, you can use it as a debit, enter your code, or click the button if you want to use it as credit instead of a debit. Should we always be saying credit and not debit? Correct. You should always be saying credit and using it as a signature. And with our new laws and with our new changes and our banking institutions are now issuing those cards with the chip in there, if wherever you're swiping your card, there's a there's a choice to use it as the strip on the back versus the chip, you always want to use the chip, and you always want to use the signature. There are extra protections because you do have that Visa logo. Now, the old-style debit cards, you, at one point, remember, they did not have that Visa logo. They Those cards were just a, a regular, uh, like, consumer account where it was directly taking money from your account, well, that's when um, the protections weren't there. But make sure if you do have a business account and you are using a business debit that you have the Visa or MasterCard or one of the logos on there because you do have those protections. Okay, so Terry, let's close up the gaps now. So, I mean, I have to tell you, finding out what the financial impact and, and hearing some of those stats, those are staggering and scary stats. So let's kind of close up the gap and leave everybody. Unlike what, what are some of the things they could do to prevent themselves? So what are some things that, you know, small business owners that we should be thinking about? What are some of those Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So within the arena of your banking, first and foremost, you want to understand what your business account, um, all the, the fraud level of protection for your business account. Every banking institution has slight differences, so you want to understand your particular banking institution. Also, you want to set up as many alerts as that institution will allow. In particular, I would have a conversation with my bank. If they have a function for alerts with wire transfers, put those alerts on there and put the lowest dollar amount you can put on there. So anything higher than that, you're going to be notified immediately. The other component is is if they don't offer an alert for wire transfers, talk to the bank itself and see if they can make a notation within your account that your business just doesn't do wire transfers. So that should be a red flag for their fraud department if a wire transfer was conducted, you know. Um, So that within the banking institution, those are some key points. The other thing is when you're looking at your computer systems, your phones, your iPads, your any any computer um, uh, that you use for business, you want to make sure that you really do have a robust and comprehensive antivirus software into place. So you want to make sure that you have malware as well as um, um, your your regular. Uh, antivirus into place and conduct every update that your system is prompting you to have. Those updates are important because they are closing the gaps between between um, the viruses that they have been able to understand and learn how they got in. So updates are important. The other area is password encryption software. It's not really expensive, you know, to have this kind of type of software. This is going to protect not only your information, but it's also going to protect all of your customer base information, you know. Um, and then finally, you know, think like a business person with, you know, small small business owners often feel like a tight-knit family, even if you're working with your family. You have to think like a business person and and understand that things do happen in people's lives that can change or create them to feel desperate and lead them into doing something that typically they wouldn't normally do. You know, so, um, you know, money is at stake and you have to have that kind of mindset that this is your business, your money, your passion, your love. You've got to protect it. And you've got to protect it in every way. And if that means that you just need to be somewhat um, cautious with, you know, who you're working with, then so be it. You're a business owner, right? That makes sense so those to are me. Just, yeah, yeah. So those are just I a think few of the ways. A lot of sense. So, Terry, yeah. here's the thing. I always love to say, um, we've actually gone a few minutes over, but that's okay. Thank you for staying with me. For those of you out there, thank you for staying with us. Um, So one of the things, so a couple things I want to do to wrap up. One, again, I want you to tell everybody how to connect with you. But other than that, here's what I always like to say. I like to think that I do enough research that I cover as many things as I can to really have you serve my audience, right? I'm hoping that I'm asking you all the questions that I can to really be able to serve you and your expertise, but also to serve my audience too. So here's what I always want to say. Is there something that I didn't ask you that you wish I would have? And if it is, what is that? No, I want to make sure that I really give you the mic, so to speak, to really shine on where we need to shine. So was there something I didn't ask you? Did we not touch on something you really would like to share? Um, Let's end with that. 
Yes, thank you. And the thing, the concept that I'd like to hone in on for any business owner, prevention. That I cannot express how important it is to have the mindset of prevention. And we ta- we touched a little bit about that with employees and the mindset there and the banking. But, you know, prevention in every aspect of your business, you have to be able to look at every fine detail of your actions as a business owner and what you're doing. And um, it, it's key because the, the ripple effect and the financial impact of what could happen is so great that if if you kind of got ahead of it and looked at preventing as much as you could ahead of time and understanding what could happen ahead of time, that's going to save you a lot of the heartache and pain in the long run. So, you know, prevention is key. The concept of prevention being proactive as as compared to reactive is just really, really key. So that's that's the one concept I wanted to, I think we should just really kind of hone in on. Yeah. That's a great that's a great thing to to really end with. So Terry, again, can you tell everybody how they can connect with you if they have any questions or want to follow up or, you know, see what they can do, how would they connect with you? Yes, yeah, sure, absolutely. So on Facebook, it, my name is Terry Sharon Fraud Prevention is my business page. And um, if you can't connect, if you don't find me there, you can always contact me via phone. And my phone number is 559-554-7785. And my email is terrysharon2011 at gmail.com. And those are the three best ways to get in touch with me. That is awesome. Again, thank you so much, Cherry, for taking the time. I mean, this was amazing. You shared some phenomenal information. I really hope and pray that there's somebody out there who heard this information, and because you did, you will implement. We're all about implementation, right? You will make some changes and take some action, and that action could protect you. So if we could just protect one person today, we have um, done something good. So thank you so much, Cherry. I really appreciate you being here with me today for staying a little bit over to be able to make sure that we cover that protection and what they could do to um, protect their business. So, again, I really appreciate you staying. Thank you so much. Everybody, we will see you next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time on the next episode of Networking CEO. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye now.